0: Their stories became their lives. This week on the podcast, Christopher Pike's The Midnight Club.
1: Welcome to Teen Creeps, the podcast that discusses YA Pulp Fiction. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Katai. I'm another one of your hosts, Kelly Nugent. And again, Christopher Pike's The Midnight Club. Yay! Yay! It was fun to get back to some Pike.
0: Yeah. I also felt like, uh, I think I th- a thing that I take for granted um, is that like these books are just like a short adventure. And
1: yeah. while I
0: super loved the Forbidden Game trilogy, I was ready to take a break from like that world for a little bit. Yeah. So so it was nice. If you're just joining us, we, <laughs> we just. we <laughs> just tuned in. We
1: did LJ Smith, The Forbidden Game Trilogy. Oh, That's I like one, this three, voice. Three.
0: You sound like. um. <laughs> Who's this one going out to? Chase. <laughs> this one tonight's going <laughs> out to LJ Smith. <laughs> our, our, our episode covering Christopher Pike's uh, <laughs> dedicated to LJ Smith. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing um, if his dedication was to LJ Smith?
1: Uh, <gasps> uh, it's It'd be not. shocking. It's to Alonka. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, if especially if the character like, or doomed or something, <laughs> he'll dedicate the book to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Hand
0: under my chin. Yeah, there was a, it was a very delicate, just the little fingy tips <laughs> touching the um,
1: uh, Yeah, so we just wrapped up a trilogy of being in one world, and I, I when I started reading this, I was a little like, whoa, whoa.
0: yeah, <laughs> like I didn't know Where's how to live Julian? in another book for a while. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Julian, are you here? <laughs> he's not. Um, I do, coming back to Pike, I was like, we've kind of been knocking his writing in comparison mm-hmm. to L.J. Smith the last few weeks. He's a good writer. He is a good writer. He's a I think a in some writer. ways he's better. I think they have their strengths and weaknesses. I mean, like us all. We're I, all complex people. Yeah. It's like, I think he creates more, maybe more fully realized complex characters. While getting their motivations and sexual appetites weird. Yeah. I mean, I felt like... What the fuck is up with their sexual appetites all the time? That was a little... It's like <laughs> Not everyone in the world is horny all of the time. Yeah.
0: I, I feel like L.J. Smith was really good at like... I don't know. I, I felt like I got like pinpoint focused on the specific relationship between julian and jenny and i thumbs up <laughs> i got the name right Yep. there was a fear in my eyes yeah i saw
1: kelly i saw kelly uh nail the dismount and uh be kind of surprised <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're all shocked
1: julian and jenny and then kind of like
0: a spark of i did it i did it <laughs> this will carry me for the she rest remembered of the, podcast. the names <gasps> i did um whereas like this book it's much more of a like i don't know i felt it's like it's more of a world
1: uh, yeah it's it's a more realistic or it's a fuller relationship between the characters mm-hmm. than we saw in forbidden game but their behavior made more sense like like you don't understand sandra in this book Sandra's oh it's yeah. like a big nothing <laughs> Or, like, how we were saying, like, in, in a Christopher Pike book, if a uh, Julian character were after Jenny, one of the characters would be like, he's hot, I'd fuck him, and yeah. stay in his fucking underworld forever. Yeah. Um, and would like, maybe even mm, be a yum, little yum, jealous. Yum. Yeah. And what we liked is that none of the characters were like that, that it was all just, like, Jenny, don't you dare. But they weren't as fully fleshed out. Right. Like, Audrey yeah. was one note, D was one note. They were a little was maybe archetypal. a little more nuanced, yeah. Because they're because the dialogue was pretty
0: bare. It mm-hmm. was mostly just Jenny's thoughts. There was a lot of Jenny's thoughts, whereas this had a lot of. Um, it was much more dialogue and things happening. Yeah, I, you got a clearer idea of who people were, and they were very
1: different from each other. While not being stereotypes, while not being archetypes, and this book
0: was funny. Archetypes. Yeah, I, I laughed out loud a couple times. But Pike also,
1: uh, I'm tired of his, of his creating characters like a guy and a girl who are always talking about how they're going to go off and have make like wild passionate love to each other, as like a fake. All right, as like a cute inside joke friends have. I, I know have to, you don't do here's that. The here's the thing. It's cool because uh, Spencer ends up being gay.
0: Yeah. So there Great. you go. <laughs> Great. I <laughs> that one's okay. Yeah, that one's okay. I, I think I would have really bought into it and loved it at like thirteen. I mean, I loved these Which books. Yes, I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have thought, like, yeah, that's how people
1: act. Like, yeah, that's how... I I always assumed like that's what it was like. But like, if someone but
0: I don't, I'm not like that with any of my guy friends. That'd be weird. I'm trying to imagine if like I'm trying to think like Colin or Patrick said that to me, like, hey, we're we going to Hawaii. I'd be like, everything okay? Or like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, What's if, up, man? if on meeting
1: Patrick. He was yeah. like, oh my um Ma chérie, when are we going to Paris to make wild, passionate love with yeah. each other? Oh God. Like, what are you fucking? What the fuck? I would be is like Patrick you need right to, now? to fucking leave. Or, or I'd be like, or if one of my my friends did that, I would go, oh no, they have a crush on me. And I mm. wouldn't reciprocate that joke at all.
0: I would because you know be what like, I would oh, do? Shit. I would do my classic thing that I do, which is like awkward like joke. Thing that makes it like that comes shuts off shuts it main. down. Where <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, eh, not until I'm attracted to you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ugh. I'm like, when are we doing that? <laughs> Never. <laughs> not no. in my lifetime. No.
0: <laughs> it's just so weird. Mm-hmm. It creates such a weird. Is that how people talked in like Dynamic. maybe the 60s? Because like, well, like, I think
1: we have established that that wasn't his deal, right? That wasn't who's he wasn't like back in the
0: right no he's not writing what the past yeah like but maybe yeah that was more of a dynamic or maybe even in like the late eighties time yeah yeah just because like I feel like men and women interacted in a different way then than they do now just because of like super entrenched generals and stuff like that yeah maybe so maybe it was just like <laughs> you're funny because the only way I can think of you is in a romantic sense <laughs> yeah I don't know it's weird. Mm. I'm going to yes, read the back of the book. They were all going to die. Rotterham Home was a hospice for young people, a place where teenagers with terminal illnesses went to die. Nobody who checked in ever checked out. It was a place of pain and sorrow, but also, remarkably, a place of humor and adventure. At the hospice was a group of five young men and women who called themselves the Midnight Club. Every night at 12, they met and told each other stories. Tales of intrigue and horror, of life and death. True stories, made-up stories, and stories that fell somewhere in between. But one night, in the middle of a particularly scary story, these five people make a pact with each other that says that the first one of them who dies is to make every effort to contact the others from beyond the grave. Then, one of them does die, and the story begins. The most wonderful story. The most horrible. Misleading. I was going to so say misleading. we've got another lie because it's like because these it's things like, are like, technically what are you talking true. about like because these things happen a story well but it's not mm. really about that
1: but it says one night in the middle of a particularly scary story that's not that's really not true. true it's at the end of telling stories and it's not a particularly scary one no it just comes up and then sure one of them does die but like that doesn't mark a yeah it's not that a story begins this is not the selling most horrible. This
0: is selling a different type of book than what this book is. What I would assume
1: is that one of them does die, and then they start getting messages from beyond the grave.
0: That's what I would think. Yeah, I would think, and especially with the cover image, I would think because there it is a person in a black cloak facing these five. Like I would, I would expect that it is like some specter is visiting them, or something like creep, like really creepy. I would say this book is not creepy. I did think that
1: that was just symbolic. I loved this picture. It's my favorite. That's why I this chose my it favorite for the banner covers. for our Twitter account. It
0: look It's so good. Mm-hmm.
1: Such a good image. It's perfect for what the podcast is, where we're all just talking about stories. It's true. Um, we're at the Midnight Club. Ugh. What kind of bothers me is that they don't look exactly like the photo <laughs> or they the don't. drawings of them. <laughs> Uh, I guess that's kind of what Spencer looks like. A little bit Anya, but it's just Sandra. Sandra doesn't, Sandra's described, ugh, again, with, I think maybe that's what I, that's certainly what I didn't miss with Christopher Pike is his mean way of describing people. Yeah. And his mean way of describing women with large breasts. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. We. If you don't have large breasts, you don't automatically
0: hate women with large breasts. No. Nope. That's not a thing. And also, like, he still managed, in a book where he has described every other character as emaciated due to their illness, he still managed to put in a chubby girl. Well, it's because she's... Turns out totally, she's not sick. Right. But he's like, she was chubby. I mean, I guess for them, because they were all sick. But it was like... I was like really, she's just healthy. She's just... I mean, I was like, why... You don't need to have... Every book doesn't need and a chubby And why is
1: she girl. Weird. She's super weird. She has weird. That doesn't make any sense. Why would she be such a like she, she's like she's off putting. She doesn't tell any stories. I I mean, I like that he makes it oh she didn't tell any stories because she wasn't really truly one of them. Yeah. It's like, oh, she wasn't sick. It was almost like she couldn't be a part of the Midnight Club for real. Right. But what's with her getting drunk and talking about fucking some stranger in the woods?
0: I know. It's I mean it's
1: all so weird. And she's like an uptight Christian girl. I don't know. She just didn't feel you you should never have well-drawn characters and then a few characters around who just are not fully realized. The difference is so glaringly it's too obvious. obvious. Like, Cuz then you're just like who is that? Sandra and not so much Kathy. We just don't know much about Kathy, but she doesn't end up being like a weird stereotype. She's just like long-suffering girlfriend.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean she's barely there. She's yeah. like the victim of Ilanka's like so cruel cruelty. Mean. That was That was really mean. Really mean. So basically all of these kids are terminally ill and they uh, Dr. White has basically taken them into this mansion. M- it's a beautiful mansion. And they I mean it, it kind of said it in the back of the book, but they every night At midnight, they tell each other stories that they come up with. And the only person that doesn't tell stories is Susan, who we find out later. Sandra. Shit, really? Yeah. We were just saying her name a bunch. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is Sandra. There's no character named Susan in this book? Not a one. Not a
1: single character.
0: Was there a character named Susan in one of our recent books? Nope. Susan. Susan. Susan, are you there? Susan. Susan. Are you with us?
1: Susan. Give us a sign from the Beyond the Gray. <laughs>
0: okay. Sandra, who it turns <laughs> out is not sick. Um, and she is kind of shy. Uh, here's the Sandra description
1: uh, Sandra had Hodgkin's terminal, even though she looked relatively well. Indeed, Sandra was the plumpest patient in the whole mansion. No, I think he says this nicely, which was not to say she was overweight, only not emaciated. Sandra had wavy orange hair that turned red if the light was favorable. Hazel eyes that would never pass for green. What the fuck is his problem with not green eyes?
0: (laughs) He's like, not the perfect emerald eyes.
1: Mm -mm. Freckles that didn't miss the sun and a mouth she was forever trying to stretch with lipstick. She was pleasant but simple, a member of the Midnight Club only because she wanted to be, not because of the wonderful stories she told. In fact, Sandra had yet to relate a single tale, but she assured everyone that a masterpiece was on its way. Ilanka had her doubts, although she didn't mind Sandra's presence in the group. They needed at least five people present to feel they were talking to a group.
0: Mm-hmm. That's all that gets said. I guess she look, kind of looks like her—the one on. She's the one on the far left in the blue top.
1: But that's like that's his beloved
0: auburn yeah. hair. Yeah, and so she's then I like, guess it's kind of the
1: prettiest one in the drawing. She is
0: the prettiest one in the drawing. Well, poor Anya. I yeah, would say the I'm only person that actually The looks... shadows on
1: Anya just don't work out. Yeah, what's with the shadowing on Anya? And Spencer just looks like surfer dude. They all look Surfer far slash too healthy like trailer... except for Anya. <laughs> like a trailer trash surfer dude.
0: Yeah, trailer trash surfer. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, everyone else looks pretty pretty like healthy. Yeah, I would say Anya's the only one that looks particularly thin. Basically our main character, the person that we're getting most of our uh, perspective through is Ilanka and uh, her roommate at Rotterdam is uh, Anya. Anya grinned, a sinister affair on her bony face. Anya was pretty blonde hair, blue eyes, a delicate bone structure, but too thin. Actually, except for Ilanka's dark hair, her hair had been dark. They looked somewhat alike, yet the blue of their eyes shone with opposite lights. Or perhaps Anya's shone with none, a- or perhaps Anya's shown Is shone spelled wrong here? I mean, like, shiny. Yeah, wouldn't it be S-H-O-N-E? Yes. It isn't? It's (laughs) O-W-N. Like, I'm showing this to you. Yeah, that's... Okay. That's why I just paused, because I was like, huh? You're right. Okay. Or perhaps Anya's shown with none at all. There was a coldness to Anya that went beyond her features. There was her pain, the tiny lines around her eyes, the pinch to her mouth. But there was also something deep, something almost buried, that burned without warmth in her. Still, Ilanka liked Anya, cared about her. She just didn't trust her. I thought Anya's story was really sad. Yeah, really okay. sad. Yeah, her situation, like her whole thing. Um, yeah, and she's she's a complex character. Yeah, I really liked her character. She's like, yeah, she's, what's
1: um, the word I'm looking for? She's prickly without being a bitch. hmm Which I think is a distinction people seldom make.
0: Yeah, and like the... Yeah, because she calls people out, and she—I was, like, laughing so hard at her crankiness during Spence's story. Yeah, because his story sucks. His story sucks. And she's just like, can we call things out if they're not plausible? (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, can you please stop interrupting me? And she's like, no, I'm
1: just saying. (laughs) I'll stop interrupting when you stop giving me reasons
0: to interrupt. Or she'd be like, I'd like some interaction between the characters before the police blow them away. Like, in the middle of his story. (laughs) Loved that. When I realized, I was like, oh, we kind of, we,
1: it's like we almost forgot what Christopher Pike's writing is like when I was knocking it. Because while he grossly abuses the simile, mm-hmm. while his characters grossly underuse contractions, mm-hmm. it drives
0: me, do not, fucking must not,
1: bananas, mm-hmm. how people don't speak using contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, but his descriptions of things can be really awesome. So the description of the hospice is Rotter... Rotterham... Rotterham? Rotterham Hospice. Oh, Rotterham. Rotterham. Mm. Rotterham. Rotterham. Rotter <laughs> rotter I'm just going to say this forever. <laughs> Rotterham Hospice did not look like a hospital or hospice inside or outside. Until 10 years before, it had been an oil tycoon seaside mansion. Located in Washington State near the Canadian border, it overlooked a rough stretch of coastline where the hard blue water was always as cold as December and crashed as white foam on jagged rocks that waited with stern patience to punish any would-be swimmers. Nilanka could hear the roar of the surf from her bedroom window and often dreamed of it, both pleasant and disturbing dreams. Sometimes the waves would lift her up and carry her out on peaceful waters to fantasy lands where she and Kevin could walk side by side in healthy bottom bodies, bottoms. <laughs> side by side in healthy bodies, or else the cold foam would grab her and impale her on the rocks, her body split in two and the fish feeding on what remained. Yeah, she blamed Anya for those dreams as well. <laughs> That's great. I remember Coldest thinking December and he's a good writer. white foam on jagged rocks that waited with stern patience. To punish any would-be swimmers. Yeah,
0: I that part I that's specifically remember. It's like
1: that's better than anything in Forbidden Game. Mm. But I think but he's better at describing scenery. strengths and weaknesses. Yeah,
0: he's better at like painting a picture of a place. L. J. Smith is very good at like putting you in the character's mind. Yeah, like and like feeling an what she's feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although I will say that there were certain parts where I, I cried in this book. Yeah. I like legit cried reading this book. This
1: was always one of my favorites. I love this book.
0: It is another like, I have a bunch
1: of stories. I'm gonna stick them in this other book. Yeah. (laughs) How can I do it? Um they'll all tell stories.
0: (laughs) It it's okay because it it works as I like. Yeah. And I liked also that like he gave the like kind of lesser stories to like the characters who are worse at telling stories. Um and like gave like really good stories to the characters that were like supposed to be like fated to each other Mm -hmm. because I remember was it Master of Murder? Mm, Maybe. Continue. No. Speaking. Remember Me Too. (laughs) Remember Me Too where the story that stops poverty in the inner cities Uh, is the fucking uh, troll story. I was thinking
1: about that. (laughs) I was thinking about all through this book it's that motherfucking troll story. (laughs) And I was like, at least all of these stories are better than that fucking troll story and a
0: thousand times shorter. Yeah, they're all way shorter. And like the troll story was so bad and it was supposed to be written by like someone that was really good at writing and changed the world. Whereas these are like, I don't know. he Stories to to pass the time. Yeah. And it it also like assigned like levels because it was like, all right, the really good ones are going to be from Kevin and Ilanka. And then like the kind of shit ones are going to be from Spence. And um, Susan won't tell any. (laughs) And Anya will have... I liked Anya's Uh, story. Sandra, you said Susan again. Really? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to edit this so that it will be like, Susan, every time I say. Wait, Sandra! (laughs) Sandra! God Uh. help me! (laughs) Okay. Uh. You know what? It's fine.
1: And then Kelly uh, exploded in a <laughs> poof of silver dust. Oh, mm-hmm. so pretty. I didn't want you to have a bad end. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Lindsay. You're welcome. She's watching out for me. <laughs> Good God. <gasps> yeah. I think Spencer's first story was either that frog story told at the beginning of Master of Murder yeah. or the troll story in the middle of Remember Me Too.
0: Yeah. I mean, because they're both like, they're. Gross. They're just they're gross. gross. They're like, not just disrespectful, disrespectful to women. Warner. They're gross. They're gross.
1: Yeah. It's also um, a little bit like um, <sighs> Freedom Jack from mm-hmm. Road to Nowhere, where he's telling the John and Candy story, but he's telling it really flip and gross.
0: Yeah. That's exactly the vibe
1: that I was mm-hmm. getting from this, too. Like he was telling it extra pulpy. Yeah. Whereas uh, Poppy Corn, <laughs> he's telling it. He's telling it with some feeling and empathy. Oh, I was going to say, their notes on Spencer's stories are oh my God. some real bullshit. They're so condescending and fake. <laughs> I hope they are, because as I read it, it's like, it's so, so fucking dumb. So he finishes his story about Ralph or whoever being like kidnapping his ex-girlfriend Linda, shooting her boyfriend, kidnapping her from her room. Calling her to the top of the Eiffel Tower so he can pick off people with a sniper rifle and use her as a human and use shield. Her as a human shield. and they get shot and they're bleeding and blah blah blah. Um, so he finishes that story, and then, and then they're just trying to find the good in it. Which, like, if somebody, if somebody was telling that story, I just wouldn't be able to. I would, I would be like, I would be Anya going. No, that was stupid. That was a stupid, dumb story.
0: I would, like, I would probably try not to say anything because I know I would be too mean and he, like, we're all dying here. But it was really bad. Because Ilanka
1: says, I thought the image of a crazy guy on top of the Eiffel Tower killing people and no one knowing he was up there was haunting. Is this, like... That's not haunting.
0: That's it's just fucked up disturbing. and stupid. Also, like, um, when after he tells his second story um which is like the dude uh who meets that girl who dr- drunk drove I was a big less rake. offended by that well they're they tell him that he could write movies and then they're like you're
1: so good at um having really like like 100% Christopher
0: Pike got that yeah yeah they're, and they're like oh you're so good at like um Creating these images that are just so unforgettable, like the Eiffel Tower. I marked that. It's Kevin. Oh, no. He says,
1: I liked the idea of the people trapped in the gym with the gasoline pouring in, Kevin said. It reminded me of your Eiffel Tower story in that each uses one single powerful image. You're a natural to write from the movie, Spence.
0: <laughs> that sounds like, like notes no. that you would get from your learning annex, like writing class when no one has anything nice to say about your thing. And they're just like, you could write for movies. Yeah. Like, oh, I liked, it was a good length. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I was surprised at how many adjectives you could use. <laughs> yeah, really descriptive. hmm Um, the other note he gets from Kevin after the first story is, I liked it a lot. Pure mindless storytelling. It has its place. Who's next? That like, was That's so... what your fucking troll story was supposed to be, is like, it has its place. Yeah. It's like... Only if it's good, like pure mindless storytelling
0: has its place if it's good. Yeah, (laughs) like that story belonged like in the inside of like a Cracker Jack, like little fold out. Yep, it's not. And then here's the other where I was like, oh yeah, I didn't miss this about Christopher
1: Pike is Anya's story Mm -hmm. that is written like no female. The one about the Danas? Yeah, so a girl named Dana. Both wants to remain like a good Christian girl for her parents, but be like a party girl on the beach. And so the devil comes to her and is like, okay, I'll split you in two and you can each experience that. But you're experiencing at the same time and it sucks. Um, but so it says Dana too was finally in L.A. and out on the beach sunbathing in a skimpy bikini. I don't know if I mentioned this. Dana was 18 years old and every schoolboy's dream. She was blonde and blue-eyed and had breasts that could have been implants if they hadn't had such bounce to them. Gross.
0: I don't think One anyone... To-
1: what? Who's... Yeah. Like, every school's dream. I meant to look up from Eternal Enemy what that offending oh. <laughs> sentence was that we were trying to remember next, last week. I mean, I don't think anything will top... Uh... Also, like, she did mention that already. At the very beginning of the story, she says this story is titled The Devil and Dana. Dana lived in a small town in Washington called Wasteville, where everybody wasted their lives working and going to school. Dana was blonde and delicious, but she'd had a strict upbringing. So then like two pages later, she's all, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Dana was 18 year old and every schoolboy's dreams. Yeah, Anya, you, d- you, you did mentioned it. Yeah, did. Yeah, Pike. She mentioned it. Why are you doing that again?
0: <laughs> I thought you are going to be like, why are you doing why this? Why are you doing this? <laughs> that too, honestly. Yeah, honestly. Um, yeah, because I feel like the core of this story, like the idea of this story was good in how it like mirrored Anya's feelings about the fracture of her life and like basically like before her bone cancer and after her bone cancer. Yeah. And her feelings of guilt about like the thing that she did um to Bill Bill good work <laughs> um and uh and the fact that like she basically kills herself or is offered the choice to kill herself by um the devil because what ends up happening yeah. is the two so the the good Dana the two and the hate bad tether da- and Dana they hate war. each other and so neither of them wins yeah because they One has a shotgun and one has a pistol, and they're like, I'm going to shoot you uh, to end this horrible torment because I am, like, basically hearing or, like, experiencing everything um, that you're experiencing while I'm experiencing my own life. I hadn't thought about that. That would be fucking awful. Yeah, horrible.
1: (laughs) You're sitting in class and, like, just
0: being fucked by a lifeguard in Los Angeles. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thanks. And then, like— Going on some like insane drunk drug binge while like trying to study, and your dad's like pissed at you because you're not doing well at school. Yeah. Um, so neither one win. Yeah. Classic devil move. Classic devil. Ugh, move. That devil. And then so they're like, "I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you." But of course, they know what each other's thinking. And then so they shoot on two, rather than one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And one gets paralyzed from the waist down Everyone. and is in a wheelchair. Dies. Neither one dies. And uh, the devil's like, all right, you know what? I'll offer you an out. Kill yourself. And um, that's not going to that's not gonna make you go into hell. That's God's business. Mm-hmm. And she ends it at that and kind of leaves it at like, okay, well. So that's the end. <laughs> that's it. And then she killed herself. <laughs> and then she kills herself. Um, um, I thought, yeah, I thought that
1: that made sense. Like she would be telling that story of two warring sides of a personality because she... Although she really loved her boyfriend, Bill. She cheated on him and she
0: doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. And now she's dying and she hates herself. Because, like, her description of when she's talking about, like, um, why she cheated on uh, her boyfriend, um, I thought was way more compelling than, like, she was a hot babe that was brought up Puritan but wanted to fuck. Like, because oh, it was, yeah. like, I didn't feel like I deserved. And that's, like, something that I feel like a lot of people— can identify with which is just like sabotaging yourself because you don't think you deserve something good which like I thought that was really fucking sad
1: and I was (laughs) glad it wasn't like I don't know I just felt weak like he had the pecs of a god and I felt like getting drilled Mm -hmm. so I did it thinking Bill would never know but then he found out I liked that it was like I don't know I it was like I hated myself it was like I thought I couldn't have anything good. I didn't even want to go out with this guy. I did it anyway. I should have known better. It just seemed so much more relatable. Yeah. And made
0: her more empathetic. Totally. And like the whole time, and how she's like, the whole time she was like, not into the guy at all, like, was even catching herself wishing it was Bill. And then coming to the realization as she's telling the story that, like, oh, maybe I did kind of know that he might have walked in on me because, mm-hmm. like, no, he never came over to my parents' house, but he knew they were out of town, right? My parents were out of town, and I just straight up, like, ghosted him on this date. So it kind of makes sense. Why wouldn't he yeah. come and check on me? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. So, yeah, I thought that made sense with her stories. I was less sold on the idea of Spencer's stories about just pure murderous mayhem stemming from his guilt Over not knowing whether he gave his boyfriend AIDS, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, and like not telling his boyfriend that he had AIDS.
1: Parallel. It's like I believe that is a story, and I mean, I I was just so thankful that Christopher Pike isn't homophobic. (laughs) Me too. That was. I was really worried. Oh, thank God! I was so on board with how he handled that. Yeah, and I was reading it, and I was like, "Is this why?" It never even entered my mind. To, like, discriminate against a gay person. Is this why I was like, yeah, I, I know, I understand who gay people are. Mm-hmm. I understand what that means. They're not bad. That's how they're born. Mm-hmm. And la la la. Maybe it's because of that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's Christopher
0: Pike. Yeah, because Spence's, like, story is a very human story. Mm-hmm. And, like, the regret and the, like, love that you feel him feel for his boyfriend is really heartbreaking Mm -hmm. in this story. And I also liked that when AIDS made its first appearance in the book, it was to Teresa in the story that Kevin was telling. Mm -hmm. Because it didn't, like, despite the fact that this was written in, I mean, published in 94, it didn't paint AIDS as, like... Something you have coming. Yeah, like a, a disease that you Only get because people. of something you did. Yeah, or um, like a gay a gay man's disease.
1: Yeah, so I, a
0: woman gets it. Right. The first time we see it in the book. Yeah, and it's not talked. Like, and we and I like that
1: Spencer never hears the end of that story. Kevin mm-hmm. just tells that story to Alonka, and then Alonka tells the rest of it what, to him. That's what tips her off that like that's what's going on. Because she Spencer. notices his yeah. um lesions. Kaposi sarcoma. The, is that the same thing as lesions?
0: It's like the facial yeah. um and this like yeah. on your skin. Yeah. Okay. Um so I like I like how the subject was broached. Mm-hmm. Broached. Um
1: so Alonka says, What are you dying of, Spence? He drew in a shaky breath and nervously rubbed his hands together. When he looked at her, there was so much pain in his eyes, it almost broke her heart. Why do you have to ask when it's clear you know? He said, I have AIDS. Did you catch it from Caroline? He swallowed. His name was Carl. It's all right. You don't have to be ashamed. This will be the last chance we get to talk. This will probably be the last chance you get to talk to anybody. So what if you're gay? That's nothing to be ashamed of. It was never anything to be ashamed of. But then I like that his answer is like, well, you didn't have to deal with it in high school.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and I liked that it, that he made the the specific... Um dis- distinction between like what it's like to be gay in like a big city and if you're maybe famous in a celebrity versus like being a kid in high school that's maybe like not in a big city. Like yeah. it's different and harder. He says
1: he like specifically explained like there's not a reason that you're gay and he says yeah you can admit to being gay if you're famous or live in the right part of the country or even if you're older but when you're a teenager you have to hide it and don't try to tell me that you don't. In my school, fags were fags. They were not people. And I wanted to be a person, Alonka I am a person. She says,
0: You are one of the greatest people I know. Yeah. So I really I I really, um I really liked that he kind of called her out on that, on her statement of like, it's nothing to be ashamed of. And he's like, Well, like it's, it's really easy for you to say that. Yeah. But it doesn't it didn't mean anything where I came from. It didn't
1: mean anything to, you saying that now. Doesn't change how I grew up exactly, um, so I liked that. Yeah, I thought that was really good, and I like that she's not like, "Oh, you have AIDS, then you must be gay,"
0: right? She says, like she, she said says, first, "Did you catch it from C- uh, Caroline?" Caroline,
1: and like we first see a woman have it, a straight woman have it, mm-hmm. and then she is like absolutely ready to be like, "Oh, you caught it from your girlfriend."
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I at first was not very interested in the story by kevin and then i really grew to like it as the story went on i liked it right away i was um well uh i was just imagining like if i met a guy that like uh some like bohemian dude that was like i'm an artist um but you have to pay for everything like always all the time like i don't have any money (laughs) you have to bankroll my art like i was like immediately like Oh my God! What I'm, a nightmare! Yeah, I'm like <laughs> in Echo Park. <laughs> um, but I mean, I just
1: accepted the yeah. Well, premise, then I then I had said, to keep being he's like an he's an angel.
0: <laughs> so I he's got an angel over it. And she loved them. I know. I got he over it. He can't
1: help but. it. He's trying to help
0: it. He's not just. <laughs> he's not just freeloading. And I did love that he discovered that something changed in him. And, like, part of that was the reason why, like, he and Teresa kind of fell apart. Um, so, basically, yeah, he's, he wasn't just like, well, she cheated on me. She's a horrible bitch. And exactly. And I have to make my own way. Yeah. Because there's a lot of him, like, reflecting and, like, learning what it is to be human and to not have this, like, constant guiding light. Um, and I always like things that, that embrace kind of how difficult it is to be human without ha- having a divine purpose set out in front of you. And like just Just being being alive. Just being. Yeah. Yeah. I I really uh, appreciated that. Um, Uh, This is, yeah, this is where Christopher Pike started to get like real spiritual. Yeah. And
1: I was real on board. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why I liked this book so much is, yeah, just all of Alonka's flashbacks. I loved. Me too. And love. Um, Except her kind of snottiness about like, well, the thing about India is. (laughs) Yeah, it's She a, talks like she took a, like, trip to India for a month with her parents. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's she, like, oh, my God. So the way they do things in
0: India, like, I don't know if you know this about India, but. Yeah. She definitely reminded me of, like, someone that took, like, a World Religions 101 class. Yeah. And was like, oh, um, actually, the thing with um India is. <laughs> or somebody who goes to England over the summer and comes back with an accent. Yep. <laughs> I always make fun of Micah because he says he lived in Paris, but he studied abroad there. I'm like, you did not live there. You studied abroad. Well, but how long was he there? Four months. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. I'm like, what, like two years? Okay. Like I went for a month.
1: Yeah. I was to Spain and I wouldn't have yeah. said that I lived there. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You gotta have a whole year. At least yeah. a year. Yeah. Micah. I I rule no. Yeah, case closed. Case closed. You did <laughs> not live there. Yep. Majority rules. <laughs> majority in this room majority, are not here to defend yourself. has heard about this, there's a majority who <laughs> believes that, no, you did not live in Paris. Ah, <laughs> uh, way. Um, oh, and I loved that her, every life she's having to learn the lesson of, like, needing, needing love so much. That even Kevin's story is supposed to help yeah. her learn that lesson.
0: And she learns it a little bit Teresa. more each time. She's or, Teresa. And she,
1: or he's like, you could be, how do you say his name? Hermes? That's what Herme? I thought.
0: Hermes? Hermes? Hermes. Hermes? Hermes? Herme? Yeah, it's Hermes.
1: Hermes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hermes. Mm-hmm. All right, so he's trying to tell her that she could be like, Erme, mm-hmm. in that although the love of his
0: life is now lost to
1: him, there's more.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, he means he he was also mentioning that, like in her stories too, they could have been either one. Because for some of her stories too, I felt like they were really similar to Erme and Teresa. Yeah, where but she always thought that she was the stronger one. I know she always thought oh, she was Teresa. the one taking
1: care of the other one. You're not Teresa. You're Arame. <laughs> In a better life. Or you are Teresa. You're not Arame. You're not. Who are the other ones? You're not Padme.
0: Yeah. You're. Padma and. uh Or Padma. Padma. Okay. Padme is the now character I'm getting from some... Star Wars. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My turn.
0: <laughs> How does it feel? My turn
1: to be wrong. <laughs> I'm only being gracious about it because you. have
0: I've been wrong so many times. Dealt with
1: it. Otherwise I'd be like I'm so
0: horrified with
1: myself. And I'm like, well, Kelly does it all the time, so I'm fine with it. Listen, it's a a well-paved road. (laughs) Here it is. So this is the lesson for Teresa. Yet just before he jumped, he remembered back, so Aramé is on a bridge about to kill himself because he saw Teresa in the arms of another man. Mm -hmm. Yet just before he jumped, he remembered back to the day he had first left the Louvre, his joy, his excitement, and most of all, his love. he wondered where it had all gone, and if Teresa had as much to do with what he'd lost as he believed. For he understood in that moment that it was his love that had made Teresa wonderful in his eyes. He understood that something inside him, and not just the outside circumstances, had changed. But what had the change been? It seemed obvious. He had been an angel and had become mortal. He had been divine and had become human. But he wondered, as he stood on the rail of the bridge above the freezing water, if it was not possible for a human to become divine, if it was not a two-way process. It was a funny thought, one he had never had before. But it touched him in some deep part of his soul. Yes, he felt he had a soul again. He climbed off the rail and back onto the main part of the bridge. He looked at the sky, seeing the stars shine through the smog above the city. And he felt
0: blessed. I think that's like a great... Because, um, yeah, I think she is, Her- is Herme. She needs to be Herme. Yeah. But she's Teresa. yeah. She needs to be Hermé because here's the thing, too. She does think that she has once been divine because she keeps like talking about all her past lives mm-hmm. and just kind of sees that this as an Having end. the love of a person mm-hmm. is the only thing yeah. that connects you to love. Mm-hmm. And she also thinks that like she's reached an ending point and doesn't need to look within, I think, um, at first, and needs to realize that. Um, and I think she that that divinity can come from within. I liked the dream that she has.
1: Here it is. So she's having the dream where in a past life she was a woman whose husband left her, mm-hmm. and the mass. It says the master shook his head. No, you don't need it. You are love. She nodded. I understand that intellectually. It just doesn't help me right now. She touched the hem of his robe. Please bring him back to me. Ah, the master was thoughtful. <laughs> ah. What would you do if I brought him back? Would you love him better? Or would you just love him because of what he could do for you? What he gives to you? I would love him unconditionally, she replied. Like She replied like that because the master always emphasized that they had been born to learn unconditional love, but he laughed at her answer. You can love him unconditionally now. You don't need to see him. That's so the true. The only reason you want to see him is so you can get something from him. That is conditional. I had never I, thought of yeah. things in that way, like... To love someone unconditionally is you can just keep loving them even when they're not around.
0: Yeah, because it you means just you love them, them
1: no matter what. Yeah. So no even matter that they're not ri- so with you, here, away, yeah. uh, to be with you is a condition yeah. of giving your love. I thought that was great. I was like, wow, I've never even thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to love somebody unconditionally is to be okay with loving them unrequitedly. Yeah, totally. And I thought that was such a good point, too. (laughs) I like this. I have seen you go through this more times than you remember. When you are with him, it is all feverish. You become so entangled, so attached. Is it any wonder the universe should take him from you? No, you don't need him. You have me. You have God. It is enough that we love you. I see that all this pain is good for you, he said. It turns you back to your inner self. You do not have to be so emotionally needy. Close your eyes and be still. Learn to enjoy your own company. He tapped her on the head once again with his rose. Go now.
0: Rest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you keep having to learn this lesson. <laughs> and I mean, and as she, like, recounts at the end all of her, like, lives, yeah. she keeps having to relearn this lesson. For real. Because I think it does. And I think this was something that we were kind of, the lesson that she ends up learning is the lesson that, like, Julian needed to learn in the Forbidden Game, which is that, like, to love someone. You kind of have to, like, the mature thing to do is to give them space and, like, and to love them. You have to let them go. Exactly. Like, let them be at rest. But instead, like, always pulling someone towards you. When, er, like, oh, God, when Herme is saying that, uh, or when Kevin is saying that Herme didn't understand how to deal with someone withdrawing away from you. And um, when Teresa would be withdrawing. Yeah, he would try to give her more love. He would just give her more and I've seen this actually, this is something that I've seen happen in a lot of relationships where like for sure. You'll see one partner doing like you it's so transparent and it makes me really sad when I see it. You'll see a partner just start to pile on more of the behavior they wish they were getting from their yeah partner. Um, like like
1: I'm not getting this from you. So to try to incite it, I'm going to do it myself. And yet that's not what you need right now. Yeah. Yeah, I've felt it myself in relationships too. where it's like, oh, if I feel like they're distant, I get needy.
0: Me too. Well, because you want them closer. Yeah. So you, your instinct is to be like, okay, I'm going to reach out and try and pull them nearer. Mm-hmm. But like, I've been the recipient of that kind of thing myself, and I can attest that like when I'm feeling like weird and withdrawn, and um, it usually happens when I'm like really depressed, and someone starts needing me to need them, it makes me, I will shut down. Like I will, like it will, I will react and like I'll just close off and I'll be like, I it'll be a really negative reaction for me. It's tricky though, because like with me, because I will be depressed so much
1: mm. <laughs> so often. Um, and because like we kind of talked about this on Drew Drugie's podcast mm-hmm. about how I like I feel like I operate from a place of guilt. And so I'll wall myself off thinking it protects those around me, but instead it just like, I'm not paying attention to their needs. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. And so it's like, I need to be drawn out and reminded Mm. that in opening up, it's not more of a burden. Like sometimes the burden on top of the burden is that I'm being distant. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, It's very tricky. How do you figure that out? How do you figure out when somebody needs to just be left alone and be depressed versus when they need you to push them and when the depressed person needs to, like, stop? Because, like, depressed people get very self-centered.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Because you're like, I will get
1: so self-centered.
0: Everything, like, any person's needs is an annoyance to me. Like, I'm like, I can't deal with you right now. I'm depressed. And I know we've talked about this before but it's like my,
1: my world becomes the universe. Mhm. I can't I can't support somebody else's needs. I can't like reach out to them. I can't. So like they will end up like being totally alone in their problems. Yeah. Like nobody's drawing them out of their depression. Totally. That is probably why Depression can kill a relationship. It's not just Absolutely. that someone's depressed and the other person is just like there for them all the time. But it's because like the other person in the relationship, it's not like they don't get sad sometimes. They're just not clinically
0: depressed. Yeah. And
1: clinically depressed, like that wins out. And so that person is like never it's like who takes care of the caretaker?
0: Yeah. It was well, I think that's kind of a big reason why uh my last relationship ended, which was that like both of us were really, really depressed. And I think, I mean, he probably was a little bit more than me, just at least more consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to go in and out of it. Um, but it was like he was so com- consumed in his own depression. He didn't see how sad I was. And so it was like, I it was hard. It, yeah, really fucking hard. And it ended up being something that like ended a relationship with someone that I like, that I truly loved and so it was it was Um, it, it can totally wreck a relationship if not treated right I think it's just really hard because it's like it's going to be different with
1: any two people regardless totally. of how much love there is and so it's like either those two people are going to be able to make it
0: work or they're not yeah well it I, I think that a way to kind of deal with the thing that you were mentioning where it's like it is tricky. It's like, how do I know if, like, I'm supposed to keep pushing or if this person really just needs space? Yeah, what's best it's for like, my depressed partner? It's, it's like, you have to get in right at the beginning of the depression <laughs> because if it's too far into it, they'll just always block you off. But I think it can be important to ask, like, if you ask someone, like, hey, do you want me to, like, make you dinner or whatever? And you're just like, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm just like, don't talk to me. I can't deal with that." Like, it just needs to appear in front of me. Um A thing that's helpful for me at least is for (laughs) if the person's like, okay, do you need me to ask you again and really push you on this or should I just leave you alone? But it has to happen at the exact right time because if I'm too far into it, then I'm like, don't talk to me. I must like cocoon and like I can't be like
1: asked that question.
0: It's like the way I work is
1: if I'm depressed, I don't want to be shaken out of it.
0: No, I don't. I feel be you don't. I it. feel like I don't deserve it to be out of it. It is upsetting,
1: and it depletes my energy more. I just want them to be present with me in the depression. I just want them to be there. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be doing favors. They don't have to be like asking, like, "What do you need? What do you need?" I just want them to be there and yeah. talking to me without needing to cheer me up. Yeah. With Mike, though, he does want me to shake him out of it. Because for him, Mm -hmm. it's not like clinical Mm -hmm. depression. It's just like he'll be in a mood. Yeah, And so, like, it took us a really long time. I'm sure he just is loving every time I talk about (laughs) (laughs) personal things on a podcast. Um, (laughs) But it took us a really long time to communicate that to each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I need this from you when I am feeling this way.
0: I mean, honestly, communication, like when you're both in a good place, if you can do that, you're going to make it. (laughs) Also, um, like when people keep asking you like what you want when you're like depressed. Uh, God bless Micah. He was trying to be nice to me and he, I was like really depressed and he's like, I'm going to get you ice cream. And I was like, "Whatever." and then he texts me and he's like, what flavor do you want? These are the flavors they have hurry, I'm at the cash register. And I was like, stress. (laughs) So I just like threw the phone away and I was like, I can't. Um, Whereas like, um, the like best thing to do is to like just bring me something. Like it doesn't matter. And I may not eat it, but like just making the decision to bring, like if if someone is in a really dark place and you want to help them by bringing them a food or whatever. Bring them a food. Bring them a food. If you want to bring them, if you're thinking about bringing them a food, just do it. Just bring them a food. Just bring them a food. It, the, the best way that I've seen this done is um, an episode of Angel when um, Cordelia is, like, dealing with the ramifications of her visions and is feeling, like, really depressed and also physically taxed. And Angel just comes and he brings one sandwich of every flavor and says— Every, every flavor every sandwich. Every flavor sandwich. If you're going to bring a food, bring a flavored sandwich. And if you bring a sandwich, bring every flavor of sandwich. <laughs> and he was like, I didn't remember what kind you liked, so I bought one of each. And I was like, that's how— you do it. Perfection. That's perfection. That's oh, how you do it. That's why he's the... No, he's not the best. He's not the best.
1: He's he's good. They they just never figured out how to write Angel. They just never did. I think season five they did, and then they stopped the show. But they only figured that out in contrast to Spike. True. And I feel like that yeah. Angel was different than any other version of Angel true. we had seen up till that point. That's true. You can't just suddenly make that who Angel is. Well, he's kind of that with Buffy. Yeah. When he gets jealous. I think he just it's like you can't go from like Connor insanity to season five and have it be like consistent.
0: You just can't. Connor. Fucking Connor. The fucking 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 Connor. Fuck Connor. One of the most hated characters in all of any type of media. Oh my god. Vincent Carthizer plays a good Ugh. asshole we all love to hate, which is so
1: interesting because then Connor, after having the good life, <clears throat> yeah, the
0: Angel sets up for him,
1: yeah, a delight.
0: He's that a great Connor actor. is a delight.
1: No, yeah, I he think does it's... such a good job of making that Connor just like a spunky kid who's like, "All right, let's do this." Yeah, versus I think... like, oh, oh, I hate my dad. Oh, oh, God. God.
0: God. 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 Um, I my dad. I mean just generally that both of those shows have problems writing teenagers like young teenagers. Yes. 13 year olds. Yes. They write them as as if they're 8. Yes.
1: Anyway, so it's like Connor on Angel mm-hmm. and April in the last season of Gilmore Girls Monsters. Yes.
0: <laughs> just the
1: most hated not their fault. Yeah, it's not characters their characters/actors. Yeah. in television. They're doing their show. best. They're yep. trying. Mm-hmm. They're
0: do- doing their best with what they're given. Really trying.
1: Um anyway, so, if you're gonna bring a food, bring every flavor of just a bring food. every flavor of food, every flavor of a food because that like that will mm-hmm. help ask your ask your bummed out partner, do you want me to just be with you? Mm-hmm. Do you not really want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. or do you want me to try to draw you out? Mm-hmm. Just go by whatever they say mm-hmm. whatever they say and if, if they say by, I... I just need you to be here, then just be there mm-hmm. um, and
0: and if they're waffling. Ask them a few times. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to ask like a few more times if they're just like, uh, mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know. And then
1: if they won't answer,
0: there's not a whole lot you can do after that. No. Yeah. Every flavor. Sandwich. Just have to go by what they say then.
1: Mm hmm. Go by what they say. Yeah. Bring them a flavor of sandwich. hmm. <laughs> Every. Roast flavor.
0: The, uh, raw flavor.
1: Mm, ham flavored. Um. Veggie uh, flavored. Cucumber flavor. Um. Rainbow flavored, cheese flavored, cheese flavored. I think cheese, cheese flavored is one of my flavors. favorite sandwich flavors. Sandwich flavors. Um, turkey I like a, flavored.
0: I like a turkey flavor. I like a spicy flavor. I like a club flavor. Ooh, club flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like a meatball sub flavor. I like an eggy
1: sal flavor. Mm, love an eggy sal flavor. Love an eggy sal flavor. Yeah.
0: I recently you're thinking tried- of
1: bringing a food. Ooh, eggy sal. So, eggy sal flavored Ooh, sandwich.
0: Eggy Ooh, eggy sal flavor. Flou, eggy flour savor. Eggy flour savor. Savor that eggy flour. <laughs> 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 sounds so disgusting. <laughs> it's awful. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you.
1: So this other story with the master where she's just like not fucking learning this fucking lesson. Yeah. Um. So it's another dream with the master. So in this one, I think her husband is dead. There is no but, he interrupted. There is just now. Your mind dwells in the past. Do You feel regret about what you have done, anger over what you feel has been done to you, or else your mind is anxious about the future. But the past is past and the future doesn't exist. All you have is right now. And right, I mean, this is Buddhism 101. (laughs) All you, right now you feel fine. He smiled so sweetly, the flash of his love. So what is your problem? You have no problem. But there is no but. He snapped his fingers (laughs) near her head. Be in the present moment. Be here with me totally. I am here with you totally. That is enlightenment, nothing more. And she says, I need a miracle. The master considered. All right, I will give you a miracle. When you return home, everything will be perfect for you. Your life will be just as it should be. She looked at him doubtfully, for she knew how he loved to joke with her. Are you promising me that? She asked. I give you my word. And if you believe in my word, if you have that faith, then you will see that everything is already perfect. God gives you what you need in life to learn. He continues to give you hard lessons because you are a slow learner. I am not saying you can't make mistakes. Mistakes are all right, but you keep making the same ones.
0: (laughs) Also, I love that he was like, Everything is as it should be because like, he's like, I'll make everything as it should you, be. This is as this everything is as it be. should be. Like, and if you have complete faith in me, you will see that. And of course, she doesn't believe him. And when she wakes up and they're like, Oh, there's a rumor that one person's misdiagnosed, she's like, Ugh, It's me. Poor Illanka. Okay, that, that part, is a hundred percent me. Me too. This was like okay. she was in horrible denial. So she has been taking these like herbal supplements and she thinks oh they're my making God. her better. We've
1: talked about this, too, where it's like I've tried to go off my meds and just do, like, herbal supplements and, like— Be careful with those, you guys. Oh, my God. My
0: cousin—or my aunt uh, (sighs) took a bunch of, like, these, uh, like, Chinese herbal supplements she found, and her kidneys failed. (sighs) So be careful. Also, heads up,
1: you might be allergic to turmeric. I am. You are. Don't just go crazy on the turmeric because it's a craze. It makes me throw up. I went crazy on, I think, carrots— I was oh, like, you mentioned that. Remember and that then I bought carrot juice because I was like, I don't want to be like that.
0: Well, so I went way too okay. So I'm okay with carrot juice
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I'm like zip, zippy when yeah, I, yeah, that's have what it. you said. And I have not noticed this. And you're a liar. Oh,
1: sorry, it doesn't affect everyone in the same way. I wish it affected me like that.
0: Um, but I went crazy and did like I put carrots in my Nutra bullet thingy, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how much fiber is in those. Oh, god, I need that. Well, I had twelve carrots in one. Okay, I don't and they're that. like huge, and it seriously like that was the thing that made me like feel like I was gonna die. Yeah, like, that fucks you up. Yeah, are you I, drinking enough water? Well, I had to afterwards because yeah. I was you getting have to these be cramps. Drinking so much water. I thought I had appendicitis. Oh, like I God. almost went to the urgent care because it hurt so bad. And there was it was when you get so so much fiber, it's not like you just get gassy. Because there's no relief. So you're just sitting there, like I was. If it's not moving, there's no movement. You're cramping. Yeah, there was just cramp, cramping, horrible cramping, where I was literally crying out. Like I was like, ah.
1: My birthday was on Monday, Memorial Mm. Day. Happy belated. And then things. I had a peanut butter milkshake the night before. Mm. I'm not allergic to peanuts. Mm. I am allergic to tree nuts, like Mm. walnuts. Mm -hmm. A walnut clearly made itself. Need made oh, its no. way into my milkshake. And I couldn't tell because it was all blended up like crazy. Mm-hmm. So I drink it and I asphyxiate when I have a walnut. Mm. But this was just probably the one nut. So I just felt like I had a weird sore throat and mm-hmm. like my sinuses were bothering me. And Mike had been fighting something off. And so I thought I just very suddenly got it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think much of it. And this is the furthest a nut has made it through my system ever. Because usually my mouth and throat will let me know right away. Mm-hmm. And I'll just stop eating it. I'll immediately take some Benadryl. Mm-hmm. But this was all the way through my digestive system. Oh, my God. System. And so I was spending the first few hours of my birthday throwing up in horrible pain. Ugh. My insides just inflamed, Aww. I would think. And then it took, you know, half an hour for the Benadryl to work once I finally figured out what the fuck was going on. Yeah. It was Horrible. So then I just spent my entire birthday recovering from that. Oh, I'm sorry. It was not
0: the best birthday. Oh, bummer. I'm sorry. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm.
1: <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, don't just start taking yeah, stuff. Don't thinking, start taking. <laughs> Seriously, I have gone off my meds. I am bipolar too. Been mentioned before. I've tried going off my meds because I thought that there was a more permanent solution I could find. So I took like all these hormone drops or I tried taking this supplement or yeah. that supplement, going to acupuncture. Trying, I tried paleo, thinking that would like cure my bipolar oh my two disorder. Try a ketogenic diet. Like, uh, if you have a mental disorder that requires medication, mm-hmm.
0: just eat a bunch of hard boiled eggs.
1: Do yeah, just. Just get an eggy south flavored get, get eggy sandwich. Get flavored sandwich. And then you're good to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just pure natural goodness will cure you. <laughs> Take the fucking meds. If, yeah. those, if whatever you're taking doesn't work for you, move on to a different med. Experiment. For me, with my bipolar 2 disorder, I need to be on two mood stabilizers. Mm-hmm. Not a mood stabilizer and an antidepressant. I think that that is outmoded. I read that. I experience it. I'm on two mood stabilizers, mm. Depakote and Lamictal. Mm. And I've, I've heard a lot of people saying fine. that's a
0: great, uh, that's been a great combo for them.
1: And so it's changed my life. Mm-hmm. But so, anyway, so you're saying not like St. John's wort. Yeah, not St. John's <laughs> So don't just like take some Chinese herbs yeah. thinking it's going to cure your cancer or your depression.
0: So Ilanka thinks that she's better. She's like, I feel like I'm in less pain. I feel great. And she pressures the doctor into taking her to go get another scan, even though technically they're in hospice. They're not supposed to receive treatment. Um, It's really just to alleviate pain until the person dies. Um, So she goes, she gets the scan. And um, after she has this dream where the master says, like, everything is as it should be, when you wake up, your life will be perfect. So she wakes up and they're like, oh, there's a rumor that someone – here has been misdiagnosed. And she's like, It's me. Oh my God, it's me. And she is so like, I love her hubris here when she talks to Kevin about it. Like the fact that she is so she's also kind of insensitive about his feelings. Cause he's sick too. And she's like, Oh where is it? I see your point, but I don't know if she's so I mean I think she's just excited. Insensitive. Yeah. It's just cause like when okay. So much is happening all of a sudden. I haven't had a chance to really sit and think about it. She paused. You heard the rumor that's going around? That one of us isn't terminal? Yeah, it sounds like more than a rumor. I understand everyone's just waiting to find out who it is. Kevin. What? It's me. His face brightened. Really? Dr. White told you? I didn't know he was back yet. He isn't back, but I know it's me. Who else could it be? Kevin's face darkened. Ilanka, don't you think you're jumping to a dangerous conclusion? She laughed. I'm not jumping that far. Look, I went for a scan yesterday. They said they would have the results back today. Suddenly, today, one person at this hospice is no longer terminal. Kevin nodded. I admit it is a possibility. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. He turned and glanced out the window. It's so sad. It's really sad because it's not her. It's not her. It's and in fact, it's Susie Sandra. It's Susie Sandra. And in fact, her tumors have grown it's and Susie spread. Susie Sandra, and she's got like two weeks left. Yeah. And the moment that I cried, um, so right before this happens, um, Anya is like kind of distant and quiet during one of their midnight club meetings. and after she tells Ivanka the story about Bill. Yeah. And she says, I've never told anyone that story before. Doesn't tell a story to the group at midnight club. And then just at the end of the club says, um, it was really nice meeting with you guys. And then, um... As uh, Ilanka's going to sleep that night, she um, kisses her on the cheek, and Ilanka's, like, kind of really weird and tired, so she just falls asleep. Spencer drugged her. Spencer drugged her. Spencer and roofied her. Spencer roofied her so that he could, per Anya's request, smother her to death. Here's the thing about that.
1: If you want to have a quick, painless, dignified death, you don't request to be smothered. That is that is a terrifying, unpleasant sensation. Also, that's just
0: overdose yeah. on the fucking morphine. I know. What do you care? I know. Also, well, like, why are you making Spencer yeah, a part of Yeah, that was the thing that bugged me. It's like, you're making Spencer kill someone.
1: And he's saying, like, well, she knew that I could do it because I had basically killed Carl with AIDS, which is not the same. So and that's like he's manipulative saying, of like, her. He was saying, like, no, I got it. She wasn't being cruel. It was just a matter of fact. I was like, No, no, no.
0: No, it was cruel.
1: She, A, didn't need you to do that. And B, just because you like were a bad person by not telling your boyfriend you had AIDS, that is not the same as being a fucking stone cold killer.
0: Like smothering someone to death with a pillow while her roommate's sleeping. That's so traumatic. That's so traumatic for the both of you. Yeah. So unnecessary. Yeah. Overdose. Overdose Mm -hmm. on the morphine. Mm -hmm. And then. Alonka wakes up and finds Anya dead. And... Because,
1: um, like, who cares that... It doesn't matter if it shows up that she overdosed. Because she still, like, still got what
0: she wanted, which is to die. Yeah. It's not like her family is, like... And didn't they say she had barely any family, too? So yeah. it was, like, there would be no consequences. It's not like there was, like, a fucking life
1: insurance policy that now her, like, husband and 12 children don't get because she
0: killed herself. Yeah. yeah I didn't it, get that. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe she's like worried that it wouldn't work because her tolerance is so high. You can still overdose. You can overdose. You can overdose. I don't know why she didn't do it. Yeah, I think just to make it just so
1: that yeah. Yeah, it's like then that has to yeah. be a whole thing. It's just done so it can be a thing.
0: But so she's like realizing, and then oh, and then so so she realizes that Anya's dead, and then she thinks that it's her that she that uh, she's she's well. the well person out of all of them, and then she. Finds out from Spence just like kind of in passing that it's Susie Sam, Susie Sam, who's actually her version of Hodgkin's is not terminal. So this is the part that made me cry. Oh, and they have taken Anya's body into the basement and it's in a body bag at this time. So she's uh, sitting in Dr. White's office. Dr. White picked up the paper on his desk. I received. They're talking about her tests. I received the results by fax a few minutes ago. I was about to call you in. They're not encouraging. Your tumors have spread. Your spleen and liver are now seriously affected by the disease. There are also spots on your lungs. He put down the paper. I'm sorry. She just kept nodding. All right, what does that mean? Does it mean I'm going to die? I guess that's what you're saying. All right, how long do I have to live? Ilanka. How long, damn it? Dr. White sighed. A couple of weeks, maybe. She couldn't stop panting. Maybe. Maybe two weeks. Maybe two days. How about maybe two years? I could do a lot in two years, you know. I could get a life. I could go to school and learn to sing properly. I could get a job and help disadvantaged people. I could get a boyfriend. I've never had a boyfriend, you know. I'm still a virgin. Imagine that in this day and age, huh? I'm gonna die a virgin. Her voice cracked. I'm going to die. Ilanka. Dr. White hurried from around his desk to comfort her. But she would have none of it. She shoved him away. I'm not Ilanka. I'm just a corpse waiting to lie still. Leave me alone. She ran from his office. She ran without knowing where she was going. Past the nurse's station, past the oil paintings. She ran down what seemed an endless black tunnel. It should have been no surprise she ended up in the darkest of all places the basement of Rotterdam Hospice, where they kept the bodies before they disposed of them. She came to her senses standing beside Anya. They had put her dear friend in a green plastic bag. There was a name tag on the outside, tagged and ready to deliver into oblivion. Suddenly, there was nothing more important to Ilanka in the whole universe than how Anya's personal items had vanished. She embraced the bag, hugging it to her chest. Are you still there? She asked, weeping. Is anything there? Why, God? Why do you give us life just so that you can take it from us? There's nothing, she whispered to the green plastic bag. Like, that part I felt was so, like, the panic there for her. And also her, like, hugging the body bag was, like, so, uh, It's really sad.
1: My friend Samantha passed away from stage four lung cancer Mm -hmm. last October. Um, Like, she was given a couple weeks, and I was going in to have my jaw surgery. Mm -hmm. And, like, one of the last thoughts I had, like, in the hour before going in, all of a sudden I was like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to speak for a while. What if I don't get to? see and talk to sam before mm-hmm. something happens and um when i woke up the next day uh it turned out she had died five hours before i thought that she really? died like five or six hours before i even went into had surgery
0: holy cow but yeah
1: stage four lung cancer and then it spread to her abdomen yeah she got the diagnosis november of last year yeah and then died october of this or, uh, November of 2015 died October of 2016.
0: That's really yeah hard. 36. That's, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember um, in the I'm in this like underground cat group on Facebook, <laughs> and she's in it too. Or she was in it too. And, and oh. during when she got her um, diagnosis, uh, everyone was like, "Oh, we should all send Sam some pictures of our cats because she loves cats so much." So everybody was like sending her pictures of cats. She had her cats with her, like when she went home and stuff. Yeah,
1: Peanut and I forget the name of her other cat right now. I don't know. Um. Yeah. After she passed away, people were looking for somebody to take her. Take two the cats. cats together. Yeah. Lelon took them. Oh, good. Yeah. The day that she recorded the podcast. Oh, really? With us, she had been readying her apartment to take Sam's cats. Aw. Oh, it's so good that they got to stay together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, because they're older cats too.
0: Yeah, they'll they need. And each so other. people didn't.
1: People don't. People like to take on older yeah. cats because they had, you know, they have health needs of their own. And mm-hmm. totally. Uh, uh, that's sad. Yeah, she was really cool.
0: Yeah. Why does that? I feel like everyone's always saying that. Like, why does that always happen?
1: It really. It does seem to happen yeah. to the especially. Like to the special ones. Yeah, yeah. Like Sam was special. She like ran marathons mm-hmm. and painted and baked and and was in all these different clubs and she had like endless energy and like mm-hmm. this diagnosis came out of nowhere. Like she never smoked. She was mm-hmm. incredibly healthy and was just like super awesome. Everybody liked her.
0: What was that? Um she had the coolest pixie cut. <laughs> What was that uh, – somebody wrote a thing about being diagnosed with um, – or maybe it was from a TV show. I can't remember, but somebody – oh, that's right. It's from Hannibal. <laughs> uh, uh, the um, uh, Jack's wife, played by um, Zoe – is her name Zoe? Deschanel. No, wait. I think her character's Sandra name is Zoe in Firef- Firefly.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: um, gosh, what is her name? She's married to Lawrence Fishburne. She, I, I forgot her name, but she, uh, her character delivers a monologue where she's talking because she gets diagnosed with lung cancer, but had never smoked or anything, and it was because of a, uh, a, a liver cell had just somehow migrated into her lung. Yeah, and she's like, "How long had that been sitting there before? Like, how how long have I ha- had? I had just like cancer quietly in my body, and yeah." And just, out of all things, a liver cell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's really sad. All
1: the girls who spoke at her service were all like, as soon as I saw her awesome pixie cut, I was <laughs> like, who is that girl? Yeah. Which is how I felt when I saw her. Really? Yeah. On stage at UCP, I was like, who is that girl with that pixie haircut? Yeah. I love her hair.
0: <laughs> I don't a know good, what it is. A good girls pixie Girls hair love haircut. a pixie cut. They do. I remember wanting one for a really long time, and my boyfriend at the time was like, you can do whatever you want with your hair. I'm just telling you that I would really prefer if you didn't. And I was like, Mm -hmm. fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Although Um, I didn't do it. So maybe that I was internalizing misogyny. Who knows?
1: uh, Real quick, I know that we need to go back in the book, Mm -hmm. but one of my favorite Sam tweets was Mm -hmm. when she said, um, instead of thinking... I'm too fat for these genes. I'm going to start thinking that this inanimate object is too small for me, a miraculous human being.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good way to yeah. think. Yeah. Anyway, a good a good uh note to live by. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Sam. Yeah.
0: I think also this book gave me a lot of things to think about because um right after um she is holding Anya in the body bag and then Kevin uh, t- brings her upstairs and then she gets like a shot to calm down. Um, so she dreams of being with the master and the master, she's like thinking a lot about her impending death now because like now she's like, oh, okay. Like she went from, you know, feeling like she was healthy to again thinking, okay, I have a couple weeks. weeks. Um, master, she said, what is it like to die? Why do you ask? The master said, every night you go to sleep, you sleep and you don't know who you are, but every morning you wake up. But when I go to sleep, I know I will wake up in the morning. When I die, I don't know if I will be reborn. Will I? The real you is never reborn, nor does it ever die. But the personality and the body is another matter. You believe you are this personality, this body. You think of yourself as clever with words and attractive with your long dark hair. But these things are not you. They are always changing. The real you never changes. The enlightened seldom speak of birth and rebirth. They are concerned with the present moment. If you're fully alive now, it is enough. You don't have to think about death. Death will come when it is supposed to come. Um, And I I guess I'm having trouble, and I want to understand this more, is that, like, the self is not, when he says you're not your personality, like, I get that you're not your appearance. I, I guess I don't understand what the idea of self is. Like, because to me, like, my personality is me. And I'm wondering, like, I guess something I've always wondered is what constitutes the self, right? Because like... Well, something he, he continues on.
1: And he, um, she says, but I still don't want to die. I'm afraid of death. And he says, do you want to have the same personality you have now for the, now for the rest of eternity? She had to laugh. I would like to improve it first before it was made eternal. The master laughed with her. You make it perfect and you will see that it ceases to exist. You think that I am so powerful and wise. I tell you I am no one. That is how I understand everyone. I am like the sun. I shine the same on everyone. You are the sun. You are not this personality and body. Remember that when the time of death approaches and you will have no fear. This is a great secret I give you. He paused and spoke seriously. Remember, too, that I will be with you at that time.
0: So is it that like there is perfection somewhere within us? And that is, like, the self. And if we reach that, then that means you're done and then you're the sun and you're, like, able to understand everything. I think it just means that you,
1: because what he's saying by enlightened is y- you stop even having concerns about the self. Right. So I see. You, so
0: is the self just flaws?
1: Well, the self is who you, like, we, not you. I'm not like, I'm yeah. enlightened. Um, who we tell ourselves we are. Like like he says, like, oh, you th- you think of yourself as like clever with words and mm-hmm. you like these movies, but not that movies. And you cry when this happens and mm-hmm. you laugh when that happens and that's all your personality and you can't take it with you. But I think it's like, you know, the whole energy mm-hmm. thing. Like, do you really need to remember or think that you will, you and your memories will come back? to enjoy the present moment i see like do you why do you constantly need to define and refine yourself when you can't take that along with you and you don't know like you're talking about death and rebirth all the time but like you say that because you don't want to let go but there's nothing to let go of that's something that you're defining
0: yeah i think i
1: mean i don't don't understand it i'm not enlightened yeah i know that those are the words that get thrown around but
0: I guess yeah I I mean that does make sense because I'm thinking about like moments when I've like been completely like dialed into just the moment and I've like been able to enjoy just purely a moment yeah um and sometimes it'll be just something so like it's not it's nothing but like there's this I don't know why it's this moment that I remember but it's like I was like looking at this grass and like the way that the sun was like shining through it from the back like it was so like verdant like mm-hmm. intensely green and i remember I, I didn't think about anything else other than like seeing that and like the way the sun was feeling and like the wind and that was it and i wasn't thinking about i don't know like me was separate like i wasn't thinking about like me experiencing it it was just that was there and i like shambhala it. buddhism that is called like seeing
1: basic goodness Mm. So it's like life is good because not because things are going how you hope they'll go or going your way or you have everything you want, um, but because you recognize just the goodness of there being like sun and warmth and grass. And isn't it nice to be in a body? And isn't it nice to like drink tea? And isn't it? That's crazy. Doesn't it feel good to do these things that you're able to do? And if you recognize that, then your circumstances don't define your happiness. Yeah. And, like, I think it's it's like, well, what, what does it matter if there's rebirth? You can't know. Yeah. So why? And you know death is going to come.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So why is it a thing with
0: you? Just be alive. That's true. Just be and alive, you can't like, truly be alive if you're just fixating on the end point of, like, death. Yeah. Because I mean, all I do is your... live in the past and the future. Me too. But there are have been moments and that's so like crazy that that's like a thing in Shambhala, which is like because I have and when you described it, I was like, oh, my God, because I've had moments where I've been walking down the street. And it's just like the way that things just are made me happy because I was like, oh, like the leaves like look really good right there. (laughs) And like Mm -hmm. the wind feels good. And I'm just so fucking happy to be that I get to be in this is like happy. And then, of course, like five minutes later, I was like fucking depressed or something. But like in that moment, I was like, oh,
1: that's what you work. And like when you're meditating and that's like this book is great. I didn't remember him really defining enlightenment in such a because like it seems so inaccessible when it's like the master, quote unquote. And it's like, I'm an enlightened being and you see me through every lifetime and you see me in your dreams. That makes it seem like he's magical. And yet when he's talking, he's only ever saying, like, enlightenment is that I'm fully present with you right now. And I'm not thinking about birth and death and Mm -hmm. the past and the future. And I'm not thinking about the person in my life who I miss. I just miss them. But it doesn't affect how I go about my day. Like, I can't change that. Mm -hmm. And And that's when you've reached enlightenment. But practicing, like, being a practicing Buddhist and meditating... Meditating doesn't mean you're like blissing out Mm -hmm. when you sit there. And it doesn't mean you're, it it is never like, and then you won't have thoughts. You'll just be able to sit there and not think. It's like, (laughs) no, no, no. You're always going to have thoughts. You're a human being. basically (laughs) just be
0: a vase. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It just doesn't happen. You're always going to have thoughts. The whole point is to go, Always having a thought again and then come back to your breath or come back. Oh, like that's to the whatever. mindfulness thing. So the yeah. mindfulness thing is just in those moments when you go, Oh, that wind felt nice or wow, mm-hmm. look at the beautiful color of that grass. Is that then when you start going, I have to be up early tomorrow and I don't want to be just go, Okay, so that just popped in. It's well, not what's happening yeah. in the present moment. You just go, All right, I'm gonna feel the wind again.
0: Yeah. Cause it can like, be so oh, I
1: forgot to pick up eggs at the grocery yeah. store and feel the wind again. Yeah, and that and you don't beat yourself up over it. You just I f- go Whoops, totally. I, I lost feel like th-
0: that would be so helpful for someone like me because I think there are things that I like unconsciously was striving towards without like having a framework. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times, like if I'm like fixating on like, oh, my God, I have to fucking wake up early tomorrow, I'm just like wasting time being stressed out. Like, yeah, in the moment, I'm just stressed. The fact that you have yeah. to wake up in early fact, tomorrow it kind of makes my it ruins the whole worse. night. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, I could just be like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna watch The Simpsons and chill out. I actually um, was noticing that uh, I something I find a lot of intense joy in is like um, running is like running long distances is very meditative for me because mm-hmm. like it's just this like constant movement. I'm not thinking about anything really, um, and there is a moment where I can feel my endorphins kick in, mm-hmm. and when and it doesn't happen every single time where I can be like, right now. Like, mm-hmm. but it's like I today I had it. And sometimes it can be so overwhelming that I almost burst into tears because it's like, oh, my God, I'm like, I'm not thinking about anything like right now. And all <laughs> I feel is like the wind on my face and like my feet hitting the pavement. And and that's this is all that matters. This is this is it right now. This is what I'm experiencing right now. and And when that happens, are you also going like. And I like this kind
1: of movie. And I'm not thinking about any of that. You're not going, and this is my personality. Exactly.
0: I'm just like. I am me. You're just feeling your sensations. That feeling is like a wave cresting or something. Like it feels very, like I don't know how to describe it. Like it feels like there's just this happiness of just being that like just is rising in my chest. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of like slowly washes over and then that's all that I know. And like. Today, I was, I was like, oh, like while I was running, I was like, oh, just <laughs> running all around, Freedom. about to yeah. be weeping. <laughs>
1: when I'm having trouble going to sleep, I will try to, I'll basically be meditating in mm-hmm. bed, is like a thought will come up and I'll go oh, thinking again. And then I will, my thing that I try to come back to is just to feel, like in a very literal sense, feel what it feels like to be in my body, mm-hmm. to have a body. Mm-hmm. Just be like, focus only on my body cool and and i will get like a little ripply feeling of like <sighs> mm-hmm. and like release and mm-hmm. then it will be like oh fuck taxes and yeah then like <laughs> and then oh right back mm-hmm. in my body and that's that's all meditation is
0: yeah yeah and it does meditation does really help me like be able to then just like once it i finish with it just do the thing that needs to be done like because a for taxes for example like every day I was like at 10am every day I was like I gotta fucking do my taxes Mm -hmm. and then like I was like all right, I need to actually do them (laughs) fucking do them and then like I just was like all right, well my gigs are gonna stay you know like my jobs are gonna stay open I'll just put them off for like a day and just do them I'll just do them and then I just did them and it was fine I mean it was horrifying but it was fine yeah terrible but it was gonna have to happen yeah it was gonna happen and then once it was done even though I was horrified about paying them I was like yeah, it, it's done It's a kind of death You know, well <laughs> you Taxes and death
1: can't, Yeah, death and taxes, taxes and death
0: <laughs> uh. Just
1: like in Meet Joe Black That's where I first heard that phrase Oh no Brad Pitt There goes Kelly's book Um. Yeah There's When you get down to it There's not much of a story here No, I mean cause it But is, that's Okay Because it's such a
0: nice I still like what is happening. I also um, kind of touching on when you were saying that like a lot of times it can be, if it's just, you know, this master saying I'm enlightened, it can just seem really like far away. Mm -hmm. But I think it also super helped to see this person, Ilanka, like going through it too. And like her journey through that, because then that like helped me kind of put everything in a framework. Mm -hmm. And then like also when the in that part that we read out loud when he just kind of explains like look this is just me being present here and like me being enlightened means that like I'm no one I can relate to everybody like Mm -hmm. that made it much more like I could tackle that a lot easier and it's not even like
1: I'm no one it's like well obviously I have a personality but if I'm not like constantly trying to think about that or hold on to that or define my happiness and unhappiness by that, Mm -hmm. then, like, your personality is what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. if you stop trying to control it, like, all you really need to control is, like, whether you're nice or not. Yeah. Totally. Um, Just be nice. Be nice and be in the present moment. Yeah. Treat others as you wish to be treated. (laughs) Um, Like I'm talking about this like I'm such a fucking Buddhist expert. Um, (laughs) Buddhist expert. I mean, I do read a lot of books. And I do try to meditate every day. I'm mostly failing at that lately.
0: Um, Um, I really wanted to just really quickly uh, mention Ilanka's sick diss about Spence's story. (laughs) What is So uh, Anya has just finished telling her story and everyone's like, wow, that was great. If it was a book, I'd buy two copies. And he goes, hey, how come you didn't offer to buy my story? Yours was more the kind you check out of the library, Ilanka said. Or else just borrow from a friend, Kevin said. If you were real bored, Anya added. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good work, guys, because his stories suck. Yeah, his stories did suck.
1: Okay, Um, we should
0: talk about what she does with Kathy.
1: I know we should. It is so mean. It's the worst. It's the fucking worst. I had it. I had it. I had a note by it, and then I took it off because I was like, maybe we don't have to talk about it. I mean, I think at least. (sighs) Oh, my God, it's awful. It is inexcusable
0: <laughs> yeah cause like it's not her news to tell it's not even news like it's not And she's just doing it cause she wants to be with Kevin she even says that she's like I know it's cruel what I did yeah here it is page 87
1: Ilanka sees Kathy just in the waiting room waiting to see Kevin and she just walks up to her like a fucking bitch <laughs> Kathy do you realize how sick Kevin is I know what he has. I'm not stupid. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying you're carrying around a big case of denial. Kevin has leukemia. With the drugs that are available today, a lot of leukemia is curable. But for some reason, the drugs didn't work on Kevin. That's why he's here. This is not a hospital where patients hope to get better. This is a hospice where patients are made comfortable until they die. What are you trying to say? I've already said it. Kevin is not going to get better. He is not going to leave here someday with you. He is going to die. No. Yes. He is probably going to die soon. And it's hard for him, as he approaches the end, to play this role with you. To play that he's going to get better. In fact, each time you come to see him, it hurts him.
0: I don't want to hurt him. I love
1: him. Then let him go. Let him die in peace without having to pretend for you. Leave him to us. And what will you do for him? I will stay with him when he dies so that he doesn't die alone. Do you really think that you could be with him at that time? <laughs> Slam. Uh, I'm a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least she has the fucking decency to cry about what she did afterwards and feel terrible. Yeah, and she admits... That is the worst conversation.
0: It was so... She didn't need to be mean to her. That was the problem. She didn't need to do anything with she her. Didn't need to, she didn't need to do anything It's with her. not her place. It's not. You it's fucking not. bitch. She... Poor
1: Kathy. I, I felt mean, really bad for Kathy. Kathy is obviously a good person. She, she comes, still to visit- comes to visit her sick boyfriend. She loves him. She's not in denial. She's just
0: there for him. And I think this is like, I mean, and it definitely does communicate this, supposed to communicate that, like, Ilanka is loving too fiercely. And not loving, and not loving unconditionally, selfishly. She's loving selfishly because if she loved from him, yes, yes, exactly, yes, if if (laughs) yes, yes, I see what you're thinking, Kelly, and I agree. If she loved him unconditionally, she would let him just be with Kathy. She wouldn't need anything. She wouldn't need him. She would just love him. But just like the master says. it was just like God. It was so sad how she like was so mean to her, and just the fucking meanest. She didn't need to tell her that. And the thing no. was too, we had seen that Kathy like truly loved Kevin. Like she was affected by seeing him look like thinner. Yeah. Um like was worried for him. And she wasn't stupid. She knew what he had. I think she knew where he and was. And Elonka
1: is like, you know, you really shouldn't be taking him out there. He's sick. But then when Kevin sees her, he's like, do you want to go for a walk? And she's like, we really shouldn't. He's like, I like to see the waves. And she's like, okay. Like, you think yeah. that Kevin and Kathy didn't have that same conversation. You think Kathy didn't go like, are you sure? It's pretty cold out there. And he was like, no, i like to see the waves. She's yeah. like, okay, we'll do that. So they go do that. And arguably, he's closer to death when Elonka takes him out there. And little shit. God. Oh, Alonka's got some real problems. She does. I mean, at least we're supposed to at least the book knows that. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like the immortal where <laughs> fucking Josie Oh my was god. such a bitch. Yeah. to everyone around her and it was supposed to be like, no, she's the hero. Yeah, I mean, this was
0: definitely like She's on her journey of self discovery. Like, part of it. Is, she'll she'll learn someday. Mm-hmm. Maybe another one round of these. And mm-hmm. I, I it's guess up to you, Ilanka. Yeah. And we do get to see that in the immortal, where uh, I'm sorry, in the immortal, in the epilogue, uh, that she is closer to that at least, um, where it's like a future person named Isokna on Space Beagle three. Oh, <laughs> <was> so cute. <laughs> I wanna be on Space, Space Beagle 3. Space Beagle 3. What happened to Space Beagles 1 and 2?
1: So everyone knows I just took my psych med.
0: Mm. The little like tinkle jingle jingle, jingle mm-hmm. at the beginning.
1: Um, yeah. Seems like in that final burst of dreams mm-hmm. she has. Mm-hmm. Um oh, first let's talk about Kevin's death. Which is like the oh, sweetest man. fucking moment. Yeah. So They're talking, la la la. Kevin's like, I know that you were a bitch to Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) I know he's like, it's I'm a pure saint sent here to help teach you. Yeah. Um so so they just um they sleep in the nude with each other, Mm -hmm. not having sex. Just two terminally ill people holding one another and loving each other. (laughs) It's so wonderful. I feel like this
0: is what fault in our stars should fault in
1: our stars should have been. This is some fucking terminal stuff um oh so yeah while she's dreaming while she's sleeping with kevin um she gets that last burst of dreams and that's when she has the one about how she was somebody in a past life who had like wronged the person she loved and controlled him through false pretenses and uh was like killed because of it mm-hmm and the Kevin of her past life finds her. She tells him, like, no, 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 I wronged you. And he's like, I don't care. I love you. I will share in all your wrongs mm-hmm. when God judges you. Mm-hmm. I will share half of your wrongs. And and so it's implied that, like, that's why Kevin is sick and they're with her. Yeah. He's sharing in the wrongs of her past life. Um, So she has this dream. Oh, in the same way that Anya was like, I got cancer in my leg and I broke i got cancer in my right leg and it had to be amputated Mm -hmm. and i had thrown that statue of me and bill and my light or bill threw that statue when he saw me sleeping with the other dude and only my right leg broke off Mm -hmm. and she thinks it's you know connected yeah and then in that dream she gets like stabbed in the abdomen Mm -hmm. says before she died the boy found her and pulled the knife from her abdomen It was an evil blade that had been forged with spells and dipped in poison. The girl knew she was going to die, and she wept how she had thrown away her life and love. But he told her not to worry that one day in another time and place they would be together again. This he promised her, but the girl had doubts because of all the wrongs she had committed. Then the boy made her another promise. I will share your wrongs, he said, so that wherever fate places us, we can be together, even if it should mean our future days will be dark and filled with pain. Because even in that darkness, our love will be in the light. And here she is getting abdominal cancer. Mm -hmm. So anyway, then she wakes up. It says, In the morning she awoke with Kevin lying asleep beside her. The sun shone through her open window, which surprised her because she thought it had been closed when they went to bed. A fresh ocean breeze played gently with the curtains, but it was not as cold as she would have expected. It was warm and sweet as if they had skipped the fall and winter in the space of one night and come to an early spring. A bird sat singing on the windowsill, and Alonka waved to it. At the gesture, the bird paused and stared quizzically at the two of them as if trying to decide which one to continue singing for. Alonka smiled and pointed to Kevin, and the bird sang some more. It was then that Kevin opened his eyes. Is that you? He asked. She leaned over and kissed him. Before she had fallen asleep, she had kissed him a lot. Yes, my darling boy, I told you I have a beautiful voice. (laughs) He smiled at her. What a beautiful sight to wake up to. He closed his eyes and sighed. His face was very thin. What a beautiful sound. She ran her hand through his fine hair. Did you dream last night? Yes, about you. So did I. It was nice, but I'm glad it's morning. So am I. I love you, Kevin. I love you, Alonka. He never did open his eyes again, dying a few minutes later in his arms, her arms. Oh, so sad. So, so sad. Sweet. It's really sweet. I was afraid that he had just died during the night, and so I'm me glad too. that they got a moment together in the morning. <laughs> me too. I was so that really it wasn't afraid. He fucking died. traumatic as hell. I know. It's just like two people have died in the night with her. God. And then it's like she learned her lesson, and she, and then when she goes to Spencer and he tells her his story, and he's feeling so guilty and like he's a horrible murderer, she says, "I will share in your wrongs. I will make you the same offer." Mm-hmm. And that seems to me like Ilanka is finally. That her lesson and yes. that's why she's able to come back in the epilogue with everything.
0: Yeah. I liked that she got a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. yet, they all still die. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't cheat. No, it doesn't cheat. Yeah. I did like to, Um, so in one of her stories, um, a, like, mother's best friend, like, takes away the missing daughter's belongings on accident and the mother um, Sees it as a sign yeah. that her daughter's spirit came back for the things, Yeah. And um, when Anya dies, her belongings are gone. And that's something that um, Ilanka clings to a lot where she's like, why are these belongings gone? Oh, it must be a sign. Because they had been talking about their like, signaling to each other if the first person dies, she give mm-hmm. a sign. And it turns out that Kevin was the one who hid them, hid the stuff, just to give her that moment to give her like something to cling to after Anya's death which mirrors what the their actual
1: roles in the past mm-hmm. life cuz Ilanka thought that she was the the like wise um character whose friend's daughter like really got along with her and the her friend was jealous but really Ilanka was the jealous one yes and, and the daughter Kevin was, was Kevin. yeah and the no uh Kevin was Okay sorry the yeah. friend. Yeah, Kevin was the friend. And- so they were they were female friends. It yeah. wasn't a romantic love. Kevin was the wiser one. who's mm-hmm. was like, I didn't do that to hurt you. I just genuinely thought she would need her things. I didn't know that she was dead.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and Ilanka
0: was the irrational friend mm-hmm. who got angry with her. I love that in these stories, it's totally obvious that Ilanka thinks that she's like the wise, one. the wise one, and it's like, oh, honey, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. you got yeah. some learning to do. And I like, I
1: like that Kevin is like, uh, are you sure you're that one? Yeah, because I, I felt like I connected with that yeah. one. She's like, no, you are that one. <laughs> and he's like, mm, I think they
0: could be either one. And she's like, Mm-mm, no. And he's I'm like, the good one. Okay, I agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to fight. We'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a pin in it. Yeah. Um. I liked this book a lot. Yeah, I really. I'm, I'm
1: glad that I liked it as much as I remember yeah, liking it. I really liked it. Because I, I thought that I was Alonka, which frankly is way more realistic than Alonka was ever being. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm way more honest with myself than Alonka was with herself.
0: I think we're all Alonka. I think when you're reading yeah. it, yeah, we're all.
1: Just want to be loved. Yeah. And it's entirely conditional. <laughs> the love totally, that you want is totally conditional. Is.
0: It totally is. Um, yeah. Let's say thumbs up. Yep. Thumbs up and I'm glad good, to come back it's to It's a good Pike, Pike one. Yeah.
1: Good Pike one to return to yes as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. God, if we had come back and it was like something like slumber party, I would have screamed my head off. I would burn the book. <laughs> I'd just burn the book in anger. I know
1: I've threatened to burn books before, but You're I would on need a real a cleansing. book
0: burning uh, like I said, spree. I
1: kind of understand the Nazis. <laughs> I'm really going full handmaid's tale. <laughs> Burn all books. Burn them. Handmaid's Um, Tale,
0: huh? Handmaid's Tale. Woof. Woof. Woof is right. Better than the book. It is a lot better than the book. Right? Yeah. I mean, the book is good. I mean, the book is what it comes from. Yeah. So God bless. But I think there are things that it accomplishes as like a piece of art that the book can't. Like the visuals, like that it looks like a beautiful painting. And is and it showing you like a horrifying Realism image. Yes and of course Elizabeth Moss is an amazing yeah. actor So that super helps The cast is like, amazing There
1: could be fewer pauses in her acting <laughs> Fewer pauses It'll be like The commander would be like Oh do you want to go And she'll and this is Ask me if I want to go Do you want to go? Go where? <laughs> Alright tighten it up mm. <laughs> <laughs> director, come on, fifty percent. Yeah, just uh, a little quicker. Uh, half as much. Half as much a pause. Talk about fucking abusing the simile. Mm, Atwood. That would. Yeah, yeah. She does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like makes everything way more purple than it needs to be.
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's not a bad book. It's not it's as just purple that the show as is some, better. Yeah, the show is better, and it's not as purple as some like. Real intense, like fantasy novels, right. which take like pages and pages to describe like a tree. But it's just like it is a little like everything indulgent is a symbol mm-hmm. or yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited. I'm well, excited to get back to more Pike. Uh, next yeah. week, we're next doing
1: RL Stein's The New Girl with Fear Street number Miss one. Jackie Johnson of the Feral Podcast, uh, Natch Butte. Yay! Yeah, Crossover excited. event
0: of the century. Jackie's cool. Awesome. I cannot wait to talk that book. Yep. Um, Cool. It's the first of the Fear Streets. Yeah. Yeah. Numero uno. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. That's all for today. Again, if you, we do need to update the reading schedule, but if you want to read along, check out teencreepspod.com. I know that we have that in our little bumper at the end, but uh, I just thought I'd bring it up now because I want to acknowledge that it needs to be updated. (laughs) We need to add some books to it. We need to add some books. We're aware.
0: We're trying to do a logistics meeting, okay? Ooh, i have a new jump. <laughs> Everything is topsy-turvy right now. <laughs>
1: uh, cool. Yeah, thanks for listening again. We will catch up with you next week. Keep it creepy. Thanks for listening to Teen Creeps. Our artwork is
0: by James Mulholland. Our theme music is by Mike Carlson. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Teen Creeps Pod. You can direct all inquiries to teencreepspod at gmail.com. And please rate and review us
1: wherever you get your podcasts. If you're reading along with the podcast, you can now find our book schedule at teencreepspod.com. Thanks for listening and keep it creepy. You go out in the woods today. You better wear a disguise. If Love. you go out in the Root. woods today and pin in the woods, we will. Ha 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 ha. Mmm ba, mmm ba. The days are dead. The teddy bears have their picnic. Bad harmonies.